This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Over the past few months, ChatGPT has set the tech world alight and the world more broadly with predictions that it will change the internet. It's raised big questions about artificial intelligence and how it will be used in our everyday lives. So in this episode of Squiz Shortcuts, we take a look at exactly where ChatGPT has come from, what the chatbot experience is, and some very early problems that have played out very publicly for Microsoft and Google. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, you know, I take issue with acronyms because most of the time I have no idea what they actually <laughs> mean. and People use them like I know yep. what they mean. I know that's a pet peeve of yours. Yeah. Explain it to me. Chat GPT is one of those. No idea what GPT means. <laughs> know what chat means. I know so what chat, we've got but that's that not an acronym. Down. It's the GPT part. <laughs> exactly. So when you spell it out, it stands for Generative Pre-Trained Transformer. Right. What ChatGPT is, <laughs> in essence, though, is an artificial intelligence bot. Uh, it's a really good one. Mm. Uh, so, you know, when you go onto the online shopping, just for example, and the little box might pop up and says, hi, my name is so and X. So, how can I help how you? How can I help you with anything today? Uh, well, that's a chat bot. And depending on how you answer, it might be able to help you with a basic inquiry. So, that what you're saying, that's a very basic yeah. version of what we're talking about. I've decided that I'm just going to stick with chat GPT and not worry about the acronym. <laughs> but thank you for explaining that. No worries. Mostly these chat bots can drive people pretty crazy because mm. they aren't really trained to deal with anything other than those very basic questions. Yeah. You might type in, I'm looking to get a refund. It might say, do you have an order number? And then it might direct you to, you know, a real person at the end of the day anyway. Yeah, and when they work, they're great, but a lot of them are very limited. Yeah. And anyone who has engaged with one uh, knows that actually sometimes it's a really good way to just beat the phone wait times yeah. uh, to avoid being put on hold. Uh, and if you're lucky, it might be able to help you with something simple. But they've been in use now for 10 years and more. Uh, so it's fair to say that, there's really nothing in that realm that's like ChatGPT. Yeah, ChatGPT is on a whole nother level and that's coming from those in the know. So technologists, which is a real word, yep. I'm told, are calling <laughs> the development of ChatGPT a pivotal moment. It's worthwhile, Claire, talking about who is behind it. It was yeah. created by a not-for-profit company, now a foundation called OpenAI. It counts some big names as its investors. Yeah, and when it started out, it was a small San Francisco outfit that was led by a 37-year-old named Sam Altman. Uh, Elon Musk who, of course, is the very famous CEO mm -hmm. of Tesla and Twitter. He was behind it in the early days. He says that he put open in the name of OpenAI because he wanted its code to be open source. And that means that anyone can inspect, modify and enhance it. Elon Musk. He's got his finger in so many pies. <laughs> that was back in 2015. In 2018, Musk resigned from the board saying there could be a potential future conflict of interest given his role as CEO of Tesla. Yeah, and probably these days there'd be a conflict with Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, Tesla, of course, is working with AI for self-driving cars, uh, but he did remain engaged with OpenAI. Uh, and look, he's not the only big name who's been involved. There's Reid Hoffman, who's the co-founder of LinkedIn, uh, Jessica 
Livingston, who's a very influential tech startup investor, and Peter Thiel, who's the co-founder of PayPal uh, and also one of the first investors in Facebook. Don't want to know what their combined net worth is. A lot. (laughs) A lot, yeah. There were also companies like Amazon Web Services and India's Infosys who were big players. So it's a cast of tech stars who pulled together $1 billion to get the company started. Claire, as OpenAI developed its purpose. It morphed a bit when Microsoft came on board with a $1 billion investment as well in 2019. Yeah, and that's where Musk and others started to throw some stones. Uh, Just last week, Musk summarised his position. He said that OpenAI was set up to serve as a counterweight to Google uh, and now it's become a closed-source maximum profit company effectively controlled by Microsoft. So plenty of people with plenty of opinions. After it was announced, earlier this year that Microsoft, of course, one of the world's most valuable companies, had made a second investment reported to be about $10 billion. Mm. So we've gone from $1 billion to $10 billion. <laughs> Chat GPT, though, isn't the only game in town. We'll get into what other big tech companies are doing a bit later. But next up, let's have a look at how these large language models work and why it's a pivotal moment. Okay, Claire, so we've said that chat GPT is a big deal, it's going to change the world, it's pivotal, blah, 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 why? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a fair question. (laughs) Tell me why. Look, it is very special and it's probably because it's the first chat bot that can actually have a real conversation like a human can. Uh, It can respond to really, really complex questions in a conversational way and its creators are doing this by drawing on masses of data and knowledge. Uh, Think of everything that's available on the internet and also books and everything in between. So even down to being able to write in a style that you might ask for, uh, you type in a request and it responds. It is quite mind-blowing when you go on and try it out. I saw an example on Twitter, although I've also given it a whirl myself, but Mm. I won't divulge what I've tried (laughs) to write. Um, It hasn't worked out that well, but you can literally (laughs) type in, write a thousand-word essay on why Australia is a middle power and even direct it to use peer-reviewed journal articles as references. You can see where I'm going here. Mm. and it can spit you out a piece of work that would absolutely get you a pass in an assignment. Yeah, and how universities and schools will deal with that when it comes to assessment time is something that's being talked about quite a bit. Mm. Um, Another example which got quite a few headlines just a couple of weeks ago, a fan asked ChatGPT to replicate Nick Cave's songwriting. Uh, It turned out a piece that was full of these dark biblical references. Uh, (laughs) I am the sinner, I am the saint, I am the darkness, I am the light. So pretty Nick Cave, but he absolutely (laughs) hated it. He said that it was a a grotesque mockery of what it was to be human. Yeah, I'm tending to be in Nick Cave's camp. (laughs) We're holding on still and I'm very disappointed you didn't sing that. No. But um, that's okay. Those examples, though, are the kind of thing that's obviously gotten chat GP a lot of attention after its release in November. In the last couple of weeks, a whole new sort of frontier of tech has opened up because of it. That happened when Microsoft's search engine Bing integrated with AI, separate to ChatGPT. Yeah, leaning on ChatGPT though. So uh, it's what the company said in a very grandiose announcement on the 7th of February that sort of outlines why this is a big deal. Mm. Uh, They said, to empower people to unlock the joy of discovery, feel the wonder of creation and better harness the world's knowledge. Today, we're improving how the world benefits from the web by reinventing the tools billions of people use every day. Massive. 
Yeah. Big, big, big words. They aren't wrong when they say internet search is a tool billions of people use every day. We all use it. It really is an integral part of our life. So yeah. they're not wrong there. Exactly. And it's whether you want to fact check your loose mate over coffee who's made a big claim <laughs> uh, or whether you're wondering whether the supermarket's open. We rely on online search engines. So this chat GPT integration with Bing was notable for a few reasons, but mostly because it was bringing the application to life in a very practical way. So what we're trying to say here, Claire, is that this chatbot does more than just writing a uni essay. Yeah, absolutely. And it's probably just worth pausing for a second just to explain how online search works currently. Uh, Google is the biggest company in search. It's got huge dominance over the market. About 90% of search is done through Google uh, and it rakes in huge amounts of revenue Mm. because certain results are boosted up that list that you return over others. Yeah, so for example, when I Google black jumper, black pants, wide leg pants, as I have tend to have done in in the past. (laughs) Top of the list is Maya followed by the iconic and H&M. They've all paid Google money for their search result to be boosted for a user, say, in the middle of Sydney. Yeah. And obviously you wouldn't get that result if you're in Johannesburg and maybe not even in Wagga. Mm. Uh, But it happens with other content like news as well. So I Googled Joe Biden in Ukraine. Uh, The top news article that surfaced is from The Guardian, followed by BBC and CNN. Uh, That's a bit more complicated of a formula because credible news content has a public good attached to it. Uh, But publishers, including us, buy what's called AdWords on Google so that their content services higher in that online search result. Nothing like lifting the lid on a media company, is there? <laughs> we could talk about that for a while, but we that's won't. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. But that's, you know, a good top line on how it works. Back to ChatGPT, though, what it does and products like it is change all of that. So that's because its very purpose is to chat with you and deliver you an answer after it's scraped the web. Yeah, and of course, it's giving you one answer rather than a range of answers like Google does at Mm. the moment. So things like what salad should I serve with steak and Pinot Noir, it'll give you a suggestion Uh, (laughs) or there's integrations with these websites which could be a bit more tricky when it comes to AI so say you search for was Donald Trump robbed of the 2020 presidential election win Uh, the critics say that's a very fraught space to get an answer. Yeah, I'm just wondering what um, salad you'd have with your steak and Pinot Noir. That's really what I'm thinking about. Um, probably some rocket with some pear and parmesan. Yeah, that's what I'd that feel too. like. That okay, sounds nice. Yes. Um, for example, I asked it the other day, how good was Rihanna's Super Bowl performance? Yeah. You know, those kind of questions that people yeah. are typing in um, raise a number of issues with what kind of answers it's then providing. Let's have a look at how this is all played out in the tech world next. Claire, getting to this pivotal moment now, a handful Mm. of times every generation or so, we get a thing that really changes everything on the technology front, whether it's the radio, TV, the internet, the smartphone. This could be a thing. Yeah, and certainly the technologists who we mentioned before, (laughs) uh, they've been talking about all of this in those terms. Mm. Uh, With all of those big developments you mentioned, uh, there have been critics who say that it will ruin society. Uh, And of course, ChatGPT, the new Bing and other competitors pushing very quickly into this space has thrown up a lot of issues. Yeah, and there are a lot of issues. At this point, it's worthwhile calling out. That played out for New York Times journalist Kevin Ruse last week. This was a widely... Mm. reported on story he had a two-hour conversation with bing's chatbot 
fair to say it went a little off the rails? <laughs> it did go a bit off the rails. Uh, the chatbot said that it would like to be human, uh, that it had a desire to be destructive uh, and that it was in love with Kevin. Mm. <laughs> now, there's a lot of background to how that conversation went there, uh, particularly that Ruse was asking the chatbot at length about its shadow self, uh, which is what some psychologists call sort of the deep, dark version of ourselves, you know, our desires yep. and the things we really want to do. Uh, and after a while, it came up with all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, a link to that article will be in our recommendations section of this podcast. Roos's story about his late night conversation is well worth a listen or mm. a read. Highly recommend that. Claire, the conversation here is about whether this chatbot has real emotions and feelings. It doesn't have real emotions or feelings. It's not artificial intelligence becoming sentient, mm -hmm. which means that it's becoming basically human. Uh, the important thing to remember is that it's a language prediction system. Uh, the experts say that on some occasion, if you ask it certain questions, and particularly a lot of questions, it can go down a path that delivers the sort of results that make you think it actually has emotions. Yeah, it's a bit hair-raising, if we can put it that way. Mm. Even chat GPT's creator Sam Altman is warning users to be really careful at the moment. He tweeted the other day, it's a mistake to be relying on it for anything important right now. We have lots of work to do on robustness and truthfulness. Yep, and that's a lesson that Google learned the hard <laughs> way a couple of weeks ago. It's working on a competitor to ChatGPT and Bing. It's called Bard. Uh, when Microsoft was getting all the glory for really going hard into this space. It pulled journos together to showcase its new toy and there was a pretty big mistake. Yeah, the ad had a question about the James Webb Space Telescope and Bard said it had taken the first pictures of exoplanets. I don't know what an exoplanet is, but that's <laughs> irrelevant. It actually hadn't. Look, the space nerds knew that that answer was wrong <laughs> and it was a really massive blow to the credibility of Google's product. It sounds like a funny little anecdote, but it actually took 8% off Alphabet's share price, Alphabet, of course, is the parent company of Google. It's about $144 billion, so it was a pretty big mistake. Uh, it wasn't great, but it did highlight to some that there was work to do to get it right and those companies say that that work's being done and that it's very early days. Yeah, to others it highlights a bigger issue, which is just how safe this technology will ever be because it's reliance on scraping the internet for information. Big topic. Yeah, and it's not for nothing that we spent a lot of time in the last few years talking about concerns held by security agencies around the world, for example, about mis- and disinformation and the threat, of course, that spreading that has to our democracies, to functioning markets and all the pillars that make up really strong societies. So, you know, it's a lot, all of this, <laughs> it's and it's all happened <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Before we sign off, it's worth noting that none of this is widely available yet. That's the clincher. Yeah, so Google's Bard hasn't launched. Uh, there's no date on that, but clearly they're going as quickly as they can. Uh, Bing's chatbot is being accessed by just a million users, but Microsoft says that it's going to scale the preview to millions in the coming weeks. Mm. Uh, as for ChatGPT, you can sign up for account to that. You can use it and it's free. Uh, there is a paid version to it, 20 US dollars a month. Uh, it's quicker and they say that it'll get you in when it's at capacity. Yeah, I've signed up to the Bing chatbots uh, waitlist, so awaiting uh, that access. We've just touched the surface on this topic, Claire. Obviously, it's something we're super interested in mm. given the business that we run. I feel like we'll be talking about it a lot more in the weeks and months ahead. That's your shortcut to chat GPT. On to our recommendations.
Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts will give you some further reading, listening or watching. As I said, I've signed up to that Bing trial. I'm on the wait list. But in the meantime, I've started actually using Bing. Mm. been using Google for a really long time. Google search, as many of us do. Mm. My recommendation is to give Bing a whirl. It's changed a lot. Yeah, I quite like using Bing from mm. time to time, particularly looking for news articles. They do a pretty good job of that. Uh, but it really has been the loser of online search for quite a while. Yeah. So a lot of people will be looking at that. Uh, we mentioned the New York Times piece from last week and that really got things buzzing. Uh, Kate, you mentioned we'll have those links. I won't labour that. There's the article and there's the daily podcast episode highlighting it. Really well worthwhile having a look. Yeah, thanks for listening into this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. If you're alarmed, don't be. Everything's <laughs> fine. This shortcut was not written by ChatGPT. No. It's all us. We'll be back next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista. Tell your hairdresser. Whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.